disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, the disruption zone. Lots going on right now. It's a heavy time in America. And so I wanted to bring on Congressman um, Andy Barr from Lexington, Kentucky, to talk about what's going on. Um, when you listen to this, the vote will probably be over. But uh, we recorded this right before uh, House of Representatives voted on the impeachment of President Trump. So uh, just keep in mind that this will have been uh, recorded prior to that. But we got into a discussion about what happened on the Capitol, in the Capitol on Wednesday and what the, div- the division in our country, how to heal it. And we got into a discussion also about big tech censorship and some of the double standards being applied. So I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, first, though, I want to be, uh, th- say a big thank you to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, Kentucky, um, right on the border of Louisville and Oldham County. They did our kitchen and our master bathroom. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again, I don't talk about businesses that I don't fully support, that I haven't worked with or at least researched greatly. And I have worked with, on multiple occasions, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. And I know the work they do. They did our kitchen and our master bath. And I'm confident the work they did is the reason why our house sold in less than a day when we moved to Colorado. Um, they've got three designers on staff. So if you're looking for a turnkey kitchen remodel, go see them. Just go to their showroom and talk to Michelle or Kelly or uh, George. They're the three designers on staff, and they'll take great care of you. Or you can give them a call, 502-930-3304, or check out their website at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've got high-quality cabinets in stock. Now, whether you're looking for uh, the best-quality laminate or the best-quality granite, marble, quartz or other solid surface they've got all of those selections for you so check them out louisville cabinets and countertops.com all right and now our conversation with congressman andy barr so we have congressman andy barr with us on the disruption zone this morning um and these are tough times congressman um i i really can't remember anything like this in my lifetime i know you guys are getting ready for a vote today um what is the status of that right now? Uh, I guess the well, by the time people will have heard this, the vote will have already taken place. But um, I guess the the House is going to vote on impeachment tonight today. Today, yeah, Leland, thanks for having me on the program. And yeah, this is a really sad uh, uh, time in our country's history when um, our, our fellow countrymen are pitted against each other in ways that we haven't seen in in many many decades. It, it's probably the most toxic political environment that I've witnessed, uh, certainly in my time in Congress, but maybe my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is a sad chapter. Um, I will be voting against impeachment. Uh, I think there's a legal analysis to be done here um, that uh, uh, animates my decision. But I, I think beyond the legal analysis of the president's words, uh, given the highly toxic and polarized political climate in which we find ourselves. And I mean, in recognition of the fact, Leland, that we're only seven days uh, from the end of this president's term, where there's no conceivable uh, prospect for removal from office by the Senate. I just don't see how this impeachment offers the country any constructive path forward towards reconciliation and healing. And 
and the, the president-elect said last week that it's time to turn the page to unite and heal. Mm-hmm. And I call on him to back up that rhetoric. And I call on his fellow Democrats in Congress to back up that rhetoric. And rather than pouring fuel on this, uh, this scorching fire in our country, uh, I call on them to abandon this, uh, uh, this impeachment effort that's going to further divide an already divided country. There were a group of Republicans yesterday that offered an alternative to impeachment, and that is a censure. Um, I, I think in recognition that I, I think what really got to me, Congressman Barr, was uh, there was an article I read in a, a source that I trust, um, not, you know, the left wing media framing things it was in a source that I trust about a staffer who was involved in the campaign for reelection for Trump, who resigned in early December because the internal polling that the president had lined up almost exactly with the outcome of the election. I think she said the only surprise was Georgia, but that wouldn't have made a difference. Given that they may have known that their internal polling lined up with the actual results, then two months of rhetoric culminating in where there may not have been an explicit request for violence in that speech on Wednesday... There certainly were a crowd of people there who had been led to believe things that were not true and were told by the president of the United States that if they didn't fight like hell, uh, their country would be lost. And the next thing we know, you guys in the House are having to hide and we have Capitol Police being beaten to within an inch of their life on the Capitol steps. Um, In some ways, while it may or may not arise to the level of impeachment, is there not some responsibility on the part of the president if he knew that his internal polling didn't line up or did line up with the actual outcome of the election, that he continued on with these sort of lawsuits that never really were able to offer any sort of proof, but yet kept people thinking that there was some glimmer of hope? Um, you, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? I do. And I do agree that uh, some of the president's rhetoric, um, both leading up to and on January 6th, before the, the mayhem at the at the Capitol building, was regrettable and, and imprudent, and in some ways obtuse, meaning that it was just factually wrong. Right. Um, and, 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 and I think it was especially inappropriate for the president to discourage Vice President Pence. Yes. Um, from discharging his duties under the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act. And, and I think it was inappropriate for the president to be tweeting um, that we, you know, that, that encouraging uh, people to uh, protest the vice president's conduct, which was perfectly, the, was the correct conduct. So that was inappropriate. Right. And so, yes, uh, the president bears responsibility for that. Uh, the leader McCarthy, in communicating with... Um, our conference has told us uh, that in conversations he's had with the president since this all happened, that the president accepts that responsibility and understand has remorse for that. Yeah. Now, I, he hasn't said that publicly. Right. I wish he would. Right. But that's what, that's what he's, he has said. Um, but again, I, I go back to the, the moment and what is the right thing for our country at the moment? Here? Right. Right. Is it, is it, is it, is it to go through this, what I see is an act of political vengeance. Mm-hmm. Is that what the country needs right now? Really? Yeah. Really? I, and I, or, 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 go ahead. I'm or, sorry. Or, or, or do we need to lower the temperature, Leland? Right. 
Is that what is that is that the better course of action for the for the sake of healing in our country? Yeah, and and I I would I would I would concur with that statement because he, this kind of segues into something else I wanted to talk to you about. And I was thinking about this on the way back from the gym this morning. I was like, I'm I'm furious at what happened at the Capitol. I I can't put into words how furious I am. I I I read with delight yesterday a story about prosecutors going after the people that were doing the violence. Now, I want to I want to make clear there were people that gathered in DC that were not there for violence, didn't participate in violence and were there to support the president under the knowledge that they had themselves personally even if that knowledge was misguided, right? They they were practicing their right to free speech, but it's clear that what happened at the Capitol was somewhat preplanned that some people got caught up in it. But others were doing things that clearly they were seditious and they were traitorous and they were terroristic. And so I read with delight that those people are going to be charged and I hope they catch every single one of them and charge, you know, people that were doing the destructive thing and the violence and that they charged them to the fullest extent of the law. That being said, 75 million people voted for President Trump. And if you study human nature right now, specifically left wing media and the Democrats in leadership in D.C. are trying to force those 75 million people who voted against the policies of Joe Biden to accept responsibility for what a few hundred people did in the Capitol. Meanwhile, many of those same Democrats, and I recognize that it's on a different level symbolically, cheered on or tacitly supported people storming and taking over courthouses, city blocks, attacking police and burning small businesses throughout the summer. So you have this double standard. The quickest way to push a large portion of those 75 million people into the area you're now accusing them of being is to ostracize them. Forbes magazine saying we're going to we're going to make sure people that's that were involved in the Trump administration never get a job again. Twitter shutting down uh, any kind of dissent, any kind, you know, that kind of stuff is going to push people more towards radical, which that terrifies me right now that we're in this place. But it terrifies me as well. And I think um, certainly nothing justifies or excuses violent behavior, criminal behavior. I agree with you completely. Uh, whether it was a, a violent trespasser at the U.S. Capitol building or someone who uh, lawlessly loots and destroys uh, a shopkeeper's uh, business, uh, an innocent shopkeeper in a, in a mayhem, in a violent protest on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin, or right. Portland, Oregon. Right. I mean, all of those, all of those individuals, whether they're on the extreme right or the extreme left, they're they're lawbreakers and they should be prosecuted. Look, the Republican Party is the party of law and order, and we're consistent. And I think we should not uh, tolerate hypocrisy from anyone. Uh, whether whether they are lawbreakers on the right or the left, they need to be prosecuted and put in jail right. for the for kind of criminal conduct. Uh, having said that, I also <clears throat> agree with your point that. <clears throat> Whether you're talking about uh, the Black Lives Matter protester uh, or the MAGA protester, um, particularly those peaceful protesters I'm talking about on, on both sides, and there are some on both sides who peacefully protest um, grievances. Right. I think we as I think we as Americans need to look in the mirror and recognize that there are Americans who are struggling out there, who feel disenfranchised, who feel left behind. And um, I think it's very dangerous when you say we are going to humiliate you right. because you lost an election. We are going to discount you. We are going to not take your concerns about election integrity seriously. 
Because when people lose faith in their democracy, when people lose faith in the ballot box, then their passions go to very dangerous places. Yeah. Yeah. And election integrity needs to be taken seriously because we need to go back to the point in time in our country when we disagree with each other with empathy, with civility, Mm -hmm. uh, and with dignity, and we do so through discourse and debate, not through violence. Right. And um, I think this this political vengeance and this um, censorship by big tech uh, and this um, uh, attempt to humiliate people because they lost an election and ostracize them is an extraordinarily dangerous situation that will threaten to tear our country apart at the seams. Yeah, I think, you know, it's... It's a lot of a lot of it's about the double standard, you know. If if Twitter wasn't putting out statements in support of you know democratic peoples or people you know protesting for democracy in despotic countries and talking about the values of free speech, and then here if they if it wouldn't be I understand if Twitter wants to pull somebody off that's planning openly or openly threatening violence, go for it. I'm totally down with that. Um, in fact, they should, and they have a responsibility to. I'm totally cool with that. But they don't apply that because I've seen with my own eyes and experienced with my own eyes threats that were never pulled off of Twitter. And when three or four months ago, Twitter was hiding a legitimate news story about a presidential candidate. I mean, openly, everybody knew that that story, that that story was legitimate. It turned out to be legitimate, and they were censoring that story. And now they come back and censor only one side. It It, it is... That is the thing I think that is driving people up the wall because they see that double standard. Right. And again, it's part of what if you want to be, apply the same standard across the board and say, hey, this is what we're going to do with our platform. That's fine. But they're not doing that. And that is what is, is really agging people or, you know, turning people's flames up. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I think it's outrageous <clears throat> that American social media companies would ban a sitting U.S. president and other conservatives or Amazon uh, censoring or taking off the conservative books from its platform, while at the same time Twitter allows the Ayatollah of Iran or the leader of the Nation of Islam and, and, and many officials from the Chinese Communist Party to operate freely on their platform. I mean, literally silencing Americans who may have a, a viewpoint that's different than theirs, but giving and elevating uh, the voices of those who literally are the enemies of our country. Right. It is uh, outrageous. And for those liberal lawyers out there who who like to pontificate about how there's no state action and these are private act, these are private companies and they have the right to do whatever they want and uh, the First Amendment is not implicated, let me tell you what, state action is implicated when there's a violation of federal antitrust laws. Right. And when there is and, and when there is collusion um, to to suppress dissent. And um, and to prevent any alternative platforms like Parler from operating uh, in a competitive manner, right. uh, there is state action. Right. And so I'm not entirely convinced or persuaded that the First Amendment is not uh, at issue here. Yeah. But even if it was not, it's the basic value of free speech that is uh, at stake and under threat well, uh, I, as a result here. I think specifically having to do with, with these platforms um i hear a lot of my friends on the left say they're a private company they can do whatever they want i'm like well tell that to the closed small businesses over the last nine months but that's beside the point um but 
they can, but when they offer a product that is is and has become the de facto public forum, the only way individual Americans have to amplify the voice. Imagine if your campaign for re-election could be successful if you couldn't access Facebook and Twitter these days. There's no way, right? So it's become it's become almost like a utility in that sense. And so the idea then is that when you offer a public forum as its product, and if you want to delete specifically violent tweets, threats, and those organizing violence, that's fine. But in terms of discourse, you're offering a public product. Can you imagine if AT&T were to cancel our subscription to our cell phone because they didn't like the conversations we were having with our buddies? You know, I yeah, mean, and it, and it goes beyond social media and big tech, Leland. It's the cancel culture, mm-hmm. which I think is um, fueling the distrust and fueling the polarization in our country right now. Yeah. And, and why is it? I mean, we do have to evaluate. Look, nothing excuses what happened at the Capitol, but we have to really evaluate why is it that 74 million Americans voted for President Trump? That's really the issue here. Right. Why did they? Because because they because they are tired of being disrespected and censored, and having their voices silenced by uh, these groups, and and being lied to constantly by not just social media but by the by the media by the mainstream media, um, and and being disrespected. Right. And, and let me tell you, it's not just on the right. <clears throat> I think we as conservatives need to seriously do some soul searching about why is it that. You know, there's protesters in the Black Lives Matter movement or other left-wing groups that feel disenfranchised as right. well. I agree. We, we, we need to help all Americans who feel left behind mm-hmm. um, reach their potential and their God-given potential and upward mobility. And we happen to believe as conservatives that free enterprise is the way to do that and to return to the foundations of our country is, is how we give people voice and opportunity and, 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 and a better life for themselves and their families. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but we all need to kind of ratchet down the the rhetoric, lower the temperature, and return to civil discourse and empathy for one another, as opposed to these kind of political, vindictive right. uh, efforts that pour gasoline on the fire. And I and I don't want to I don't want to take away from personal responsibility here. Each individual that was involved in what happened in the Capitol is personally responsible for their actions. President Trump is is partially responsible for his rhetoric, given what he might have known. Um, the media bears some responsibility for its double standard throughout the last three years, three and a half, four years. Um, and at a macro level, at a macro level, do you think Americans would be, because I think on the, out on the street, Americans are not at each other's throat. You leave your house, you get away from Twitter, you drive to the grocery store, right, left, middle, no matter what, we're not at each other's throat. On social media, though, it is part of what has made, because I was noticing this the other day, I was like, you, you don't look at people look at one tweet as opposed to the body of someone's work, right? You and I know each other. We've known each other for a long time. We might occasionally say something the other one disagrees with, but we know the body of that person's ideas, opinions, and personality. Therefore, that doesn't make us not friends because we once disagree. But in the world of Twitter, you say one thing that everybody else disagrees with or somebody else disagrees with, and it becomes this big thing where it's all about jumping on top, smashing, destroying, ostracizing, humiliating, etc. That only takes place in the world of social media. It doesn't take place in normal dialogue between normal people. I've never seen an actual physical argument look like what I see play out on, on social media. So in a lot of sense, these big tech companies that are setting themselves up as the arbiter of what we can and can't say in society 
are partially responsible for how we're saying things in society. Well, that's a really good point, Leland. Really good point. You know, so one of my colleagues was uh, the other day talking about Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, um, apparently, and I, I was not aware of this, but he often would, when he felt particularly passionate and upset, he would write a letter or write a note that would, in the moment, in the heat of the passion, express his, his strongly held views about another person. But what he would do is he would put it in his desk drawer and let it sit there for a day, and then he would come back to it and revise it. Hmm. But we don't do that on social media. <laughs> right. We don't even have an edit we button. Don't. We don't even have an edit button on we, Twitter. We, we don't have an edit button. It's out there. Right. And, and we, we do it um, uh, through the height of our emotions, and I think that sometimes can get uh, us in trouble. And uh, so you're right. I mean, this uh, new culture of social media has, I think, contributed to the toxic uh, political yeah. environment. All right. I know you got to run. Um, what, what can be done about that? Um, because I think we need a constructive conversation. I, I, I don't want people to separate into their corners. I, I, I really, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a middle of the road guy. You know me for a long time. I'm a staunch supporter of liberty. I'm a libertarian, leaning, conservative, independent, registered, so on and so forth. But I also recognize that leadership requires compromise. Progress requires compromise. And in a world where we have to live together and we have different points of views, there has to be a little bit of give and take. How can we approach some of these big problems that our nation faces in a way that we recognize each other's humanity and we move forward accordingly and try to find something for everybody, you know? That, that is the question for the moment. You're right. asking the exact right question, and I take President-elect Biden at his words when he says last week that it's time to turn the page to unite and heal. But what that means, in my opinion, is that we as conservatives and liberals, Democrats and Republicans, uh, libertarians and statists, if you will, <laughs> we, we, need to, we actually need to sit down with one another and get to know each other again. Not mm. through social media, right. but literally face-to-face. -face. Not with, not, not with um, uh, violence, but literally as human beings and... I'm a Christian, and so the golden rule is kind of what has animated my life. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to get back to the golden rule, whether you're a Christian or not. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. But that's kind of a basic principle, right, of, of human relationships. Yeah. And I am, in a, I am in a bipartisan working group. I have friends who are Democrats. I disagree with them uh, on so many issues and on so many levels, and they're wrong on so many things, and they think I'm wrong on so many things. But you know, treating other people with respect and listening to one another and learning about them, learning about the, learning about their grievances, why they think the way they do, and listening to one another and being being willing to say, okay, I I get it, I get it, I I kind of can see how you would feel offended by that, and mm -hmm. and and will you listen to me about why I'm offended by by this other thing? Right. I mean, I th I think that kind of Building of human relationships is really the only way that we can unite and heal the country. Yeah, totally agree. Um, well, listen, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, thanks for uh, chatting with us. And I appreciate your measured response and your, um, you know, th th the attitude that you have is the attitude we need, you know, more people in our political circles to have, um, you know, and that is recognizing right from wrong and then acting accordingly. So definitely appreciate that. Thanks for your time this morning.
Hey, great to be with you, Leland. Right. There will be better days ahead. Well, I, I assure you of that. I believe in this country, and, and um, I, I am committed to being part of the solution. And, I, and let me say this, Christian brother to Christian brother, uh, I'm praying for you. Uh, I'm praying for Thanks. you, and I'm Thanks. praying for those on the other side of the aisle. I wrote on Twitter the other day, I commit every year of 2021 to pray for my country, to pray for those that are my friends and those that would be my enemies. And I mean that. And so um, I, I almost feel the weight of what you're feeling in your in your voice. And so uh, that's that's the way I'm directing my prayers today. Congressman, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. Um, yeah, I you can you, from the moment I pick, picked up the phone, uh, I could hear it in his voice. Th- these are unique and dangerous times in American history. And um, like I said, I denounce violence in every form. Uh, what we are seeing, what we saw at the Capitol was not a group of people defending their country. It was a group of people caught up in a cult of personality fighting to hang on to the last shred of a conspiracy theory. And as such, anyone who was involved in that violence needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Um, On the other hand, when we talk about that double standard of the big tech and social media in censoring people on the right because it's gone much farther than just it's clear that they're not just um, trying to censor extremists. Um, They're censoring much more than that. And I'll say this, you know, I have some experience with this, not understanding how bullies act. Bullies act out more aggressively when they feel safe in their actions. So when I was thinking about what Congressman Barr said when he said the golden rule is a good way to operate, on Twitter, the golden rule doesn't matter because the vast majority of Twitter is, is left-leaning. And it is clear that the censorship on Twitter in particular, we're talking about Twitter particularly here, um, that the censorship taking place on Twitter is one-sided. Again, and, and understand this, there's a, there is a difference and we must recognize that when you storm the capital of the United States, you bring zip ties uh, that are ostensibly for the use of zip tying and taking captive members of Congress. Um, the chants that were happening, hang Mike Pence. There were gallows that were pre-built. There were pipe bombs that were placed. And no, this was not an act of Antifa infiltration. This this was done by extremists who uh, were pushing this conspiracy theory. Um, when there is a difference, when you storm the U.S. Capitol, the heart of our democracy, the heart of our system, there's a difference between that and a lot of what happened in the summer, and you have to recognize that. That being said, there is also a clear double standard because one might be worse than the other, but both were bad. When Antifa stormed courthouses, set police stations on fire, set small businesses on fire, attacked innocent bystanders, attacked police officers, um, and when they took over city blocks, and when Democrat members of Congress on Twitter and other places openly fanned the flames of those actions. While the capital situation may in fact be worse on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 might be an 8, 1 might be a 10, they're both still bad. And when you see that, 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 that Twitter in particular, and we're talking about them in specific right now, took no steps 
to alter that situation. When you see that Forbes writes an, an article that says anybody that was in the uh, uh, Trump administration, we're going to make sure they never get a job again. And yet there's those a lot of the companies that are bending over backwards to disassociate themselves from Trump and Trump supporters bent over backwards to associate themselves with what happened this summer. When you see that double standard, right, the the the, the no one is going to stop on Twitter and say, I better not tweet this because I don't want to be treated the way I'm treating this person. No, because in an atmosphere of bullying where the bully feels safe to do what they're doing, they continue to do it. That's human nature. And so Twitter's not going to get better. It's the point of this entire rant is that Twitter is not going to get better. Um, but back to the censorship thing, let me just say this, uh, and I have written about this on Facebook extensively. Um, there is room for the government to step in here. I am, as a libertarian-leaning conservative, uh, I am loath of government regulation uh, nine times out of ten. But here's the difference. When what you offer is a public forum and when you offer it and the exchange that takes place is that you use the information that people give you on that forum to manipulate them and to profit off of them, things change quite quite drastically from just the average private business. And I do love my liberal friends who are saying, well, they're a private business. I thought you liked private businesses. Private businesses can do whatever they want. Well, tell that to the small restaurant that just closed down. Tell that to the restaurants in Kentucky that'll never open again, right? Private business can do what they want. Apparently not, right? And in this case, the product that this private business is offering is a public forum. So imagine if AT&T cut off your phone calls because it didn't like the content. Right. Uh, We would all have a beef with that. And so in some say, well, that's private and this is public. Yeah, this is public. And they're 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 perfectly within their right, because I've also heard the false argument. Well, you can't yell fire in a theater. That's correct. Anyone yelling fire in a theater, you can take that post down. No one's going to argue with that. If somebody is openly plotting violence on Twitter, take it down. If someone is openly threatening people, take it down. I got no problem with that. 99.9% of Americans got no problem with that. But in terms of expressing your viewpoint, when a public forum is what you offer, there is room for the government to step in and say, hey, this is the product that you offer. And in order to protect the consumers, you have to continue to offer it to people regardless of their political point of view. Now, the remove Section 230 thing that President Trump is pushing is a ridiculous idea because Section 230 is the thing that protects companies that provide these public forums from having to be responsible for the things that people say on those public forums. And removing that protection will only lead to more censorship. So understand that. But then we have things went a little farther than just censorship. You had Parler that becomes immediately popular because they simply don't censor what you say. Uh, Parler does try to remove threats of violence and discussions of violence They have not been completely successful, but neither has Twitter. But what happened over the course of a couple of days where Twitter bans Trump and then uh, you see these sort of cascade of companies that that, uh, essentially remove Parler from their platforms and then you see Amazon remove their ability to go online, that was collusion. That's antitrust. That's the standard oil at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, They got busted up by... Uh, Teddy Roosevelt because what they were doing was leading to damage to the consumer because they were controlling prices. It wasn't the free market. 
and there is a place and a time within the idea of free market thinking where you say, look, if you're if you guys are so big that together you're able to force everyone out, that's not free market. That's anti-free market, and we're going to bust that up. And I think there's a place for antitrust movement here. So there's my logic on that. All right, listen, uh, appreciate Congressman Barr coming on, and I hope you enjoyed this uh, this conversation. Um, and I thank you for listening and downloading. Thank you also to our sponsor, uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They are fantastic. Um, if you are looking to do your kitchen, um, redo your kitchen, I want you to give them a call, 502-930-3304, or better yet, Stop by their showroom at 6200 Hit Lane, right on the border of Oldham County and Louisville, and talk to George, Michelle, or Kelly, the three designers they have on staff. And they can walk you through what they walked us through. Uh, before we left for Colorado, we um, about three years before we moved, um, we actually had them redo our kitchen, and they did a fantastic job. And I'm confident it's the reason the house sold in less than a day, or one of the reasons, because it just was beautiful. So... I really encourage you to talk to them. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've got uh, high-quality cabinets in stock that you can just swing by and pick up uh, what you need. So they've got basically something for everyone there. Check out their website, louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. You're going to love them. Uh, and again, that phone number is 502-930-3304. Thanks to my co-host and co-executive producer, Cameron Mills, uh, to D, uh, dxaudio.com, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky, and JP Web Design for their help. Uh, you can download us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. It's a free download. Subscribe, share it with your friends, and, uh, and you will get brand new episodes sent directly to your pocket. So thanks again for listening. I'm Leland Conway, The Disruption Zone.